0: Yeah. am going to go Welcome to Red's Business and Technology Podcast. I'm your host Jackson Barnes, and today we're we'll sitting down with Ryan Greenway, who's the C- current CIO of City Beach Group, and he's been doing that for 13, 14 years. Looking forward to getting some insights out of Ryan on uh, cybersecurity. Um, there was a breach we went through some years ago, and what learns, learnings from uh, back then, and uh, technology in retail, and um, future thoughts about, um, uh, I guess, uh, the metaverse and cyber insurance and some other things. So, look, Ryan, really appreciate you coming in. Uh, thanks for your time.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, mate.
0: Mate, let's start off with your background way back um, in back? IT. <laughs> okay, so uh, after after studying, uh, where did you go? Uh,
1: look, studying is an interesting... I um, I put that on hold um, for eight or nine years um, before I moved up to Queensland from Victoria. Yep. Um, looped back um, with what we called an industry placement at the time, which was a little bit sketchy in terms of working somewhere that did IT and then using that to get through last two units. So got through that, I think, back in... Um, I can't remember, maybe 08, like yep. years, just before my credits expired. Um, and then actually found it really hard to break into IT roles in Queensland. Well, um, why was that? I'm like, where should I start with that story? <laughs> um, I ended up – so for a long time I had a, um, a retail computer business down in yep. South Tweed. Okay. Um, so we serviced like the small, medium business, um, dental surgeries, all kinds of stuff with um, you know, whatever they needed as well as like the local community. And so I got to the point where I was like, kind of fed up with that. You know, being a fifty-year-old man behind the PC counter didn't really appeal to me too much. Mm. I actually, went recently to um, MSY at New Brendale and it was like flashbacks to, right. you know, yellow-painted walls and boxes and all kinds of horrible stuff. Yep. Um, so after leaving that, I got into um, Cisco networking for a little bit. The um, probably not a startup at the time. Um, company called Silver Telecom down in Varsity Lakes. They okay. ran all the fiber through back in the day. And um, after leaving there. I was like, "Oh, that corporate seems like a great idea." And every interview was like, "Do you know how to use Active Directory?" And I was like, okay. "It's pretty easy." They're like, "Yeah. Yeah, but like unless you have 3 years experience resetting passwords, we can't possibly give you a job." Right. I was like, are you sure. <laughs> <laughs> like that's pretty easy stuff. And they're like, no, yeah, no, you need three years. So I bounced around through a few different bits and pieces and um, eventually landed at City Beach.
0: Yeah, right. No doubt that's probably different now uh, having any IT experience and wanting a job in IT. I think most, most businesses are screaming for people. It wouldn't have been need three years of A D experience before we hire you, I'd say.
1: No, look, we um we take a lot of um, store based staff now. So a lot of our good success stories in the department at City right. Beach are um you know, uh, my infrastructure guy started as a uh, what was he as a stockroom controller, I think. Yeah, awesome. Um, at Garden City years ago, and so yeah. you know he came across. He's now got more degrees and he knows what to do with. But um, you know he's deep in the space. We've recently had a young guy come over from WA to join the team. Yeah. Um, so in the support, desk, we try to rotate that through and grow those uh, those internal resources. Yeah,
0: that's that's really cool. So starting from from retail, so they got experience with the brand already and what the stores do. And then starting IT or whatever, they just come into to come into your team. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. So. What was City Beach IT like 14 years ago when you first started?
1: Uh, Old is the best way to put it. Um, I remember when we had the little resale store, we we had our own PC systems, the company that um, owned it previously, did a lot of work on Coro Drive back in the day doing remediation works. And so they built this whole suite of point of sale, e-commerce, the whole lot. And so I left that and ended up at City Beach where we had a DOS-based inventory management system mm. and a quirky Delphi 7 POS system. Um, and I hadn't worked in a lot of other retailers at that point in time, but I knew that like that wasn't kind of modern tech. Yep. Um, and, you know, we, we ran that for a long time. Like to be fair, you know, City Beach adopted early technology. Um, but probably ran that a little bit too long. Um, got to the point where it was just too hard to plug things in. People care about real-time stock levels, you know, real-time interactions between systems, and we're just at a point where like we couldn't do anything. You know, the mm. three-week body of work would take eight months. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. So, so then uh, you obviously went in and tried to fix that problem, and then were was it a full internal IT support team
1: when you started at City Beach? Yeah. Look, we had um. Three people in the IT support team yep. and two and a half developers at the time when I started.
0: Yeah, right, okay. And then yeah. today,
1: how big is big IT team? Closer to 15, I think. Yeah, right. Um, support team has grown a little bit, but we've now got um, data analytics. We've got uh, like a functional consultant in our ERP space. We've got developers. You name it, we've kind of got one of everything. Um, I swore we wouldn't have developers ever again. Yeah. Um, but I landed a really good guy that's been a, a godsend for us over the past 12 months.
0: Well, that's a hard thing, right? Finding a good developer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then documenting <laughs> properly. Uh, <laughs> we won't go down there. Look, <laughs> let's um, let, let's pivot to, I know uh, you said you were comfortable sharing this, the, um, the cyber breach that happened at City Beach um, three years ago. Do you want to explain for the audience what happened back then? I've got, I have some follow-up questions after that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, unlucky series of events is probably the best way to put it right so um we suffered two incidents within a 24-hour period um yep. unrelated um which is the strangest part i guess mm, wow. um so office 365 email breach um fairly well crafted email for a uh, a rental agency i think it was one of our younger team members was looking for a house and you know thought it was an application form for the real estate agent popped it up office 365 login box and you know next thing you know we're in a bit of hot water. So, yeah. um, we didn't think too much of that at the time. I mean, the, the kind of um, issues that popped off the back of that fairly quickly, like you know, within half an hour, an hour, didn't seem anything overly suspicious at the time. Um, you know, reset passwords, all, all the normal stuff. But nothing really seemed too far out of line. Obviously was. Yeah. So that, <laughs> it's a thing what, what happened. So their the emails got, got compromised. And
0: then um, how bad did it get? Was it like a full uh, lockdown ransomware or was it just uh,
1: hold some of your data ransom or what happened exactly? Yeah. So look, for, for that one, it, it kind of wrapped itself up a little bit. Um, and that was on the Friday afternoon. Okay. And so um, 2 a.m. Saturday morning, um, whole collection of um, automated alerts that should come through for different processing overnight right. just didn't arrive. Um, so spider sense kind of weird things had like to log in and check everything and and that's when we found um the, the second easter egg right which was a ransomware attack yeah um, right. lucky that i woke up would be the um the overarching thing is so, that
0: so you woke up at 2 a.m yeah wow um, just spider is tingling
1: yeah yeah uh, the old software we had um used to fail a lot at night and like okay. literally 2 a.m was kind of the witching out <laughs> and <It's> so <laughs> kind of in a routine from you know 10 years of that Wow. Um, So yeah, it just didn't feel right, got up, had a look, Um, we were missing like the emails that we expected, checked those core applications and they seemed to be humming along. Um, Couldn't get to the mail server, couldn't get to a few other things. Uh, Found a few things that freaked us out a little bit and um, pulled a pin on everything. Yeah. Um, Shut it all down remotely that we could and then um, rallied the troops and all arrived at the office uh, maybe an hour later.
0: Yeah,
1: at 3 a.m. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, uh, well we go. actually
1: hard unplugged things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and shut everything else down. Yep. And then um, called the boys in from um, Hopkwood Gannon at the time. is yep. our, um, our legal team. And um, very soon after that, had the McGrath-Nickel guys on um, on site for the forensic side of things. But, um, yeah, there's nothing quite like um, logging into a server that's been fully ransomware and yeah. um, Wondering, like, if the first part is like, really? Like, nah, that can't be right. Yeah. And then you log into something else. You're like, oh, hang on. This doesn't look right, and then you realize that you've got a got a problem you need to need to address.
0: Yeah, because at that point you've been uh, looking after City Beach IT for over a decade already. Before that yeah. breach, right? So yeah. you you've been so used to logging in and seeing things working for so many years. Yep. Um, so was that that was the first breach?
1: Uh, so they, they both occurred at the same time. So we had okay, the, the so email breach separate. on the Friday, right. um, and the unrelated um, ransomware on the Saturday morning. Wow, I think it was um. Star Wars weekend, like May the Fourth, twenty twenty.
0: Right. Yeah. So twenty twenty. So that would have been like COVID time as well. So probably like the financial constraints of um, COVID for retail stores at that time uh, would have also had a, a play. And uh, you, I guess, managing would be going, "Oh, what's next, run right?
1: We well, you just don't know how far it's gone, right? Mm. And so the first thing is, we you know we've got sixty plus stores. What impact is there? You know, we can see quickly from the head office estate what is and isn't working. Yep. It's like, how far could that get out? And in the background at that point, we kind of just pushed the email thing to the side. We're like, yep, Yep. that that couldn't be a problem. And through that investigation piece, we actually found out that the email was probably our larger problem in terms of being um, a compromised mailbox that had a lot of personal identifiable information in Ah, it. Ah, right, okay. And so, um, you know, you can look us up on the the list of people that have been popped in the past couple of years. Yep. Um, Very good response, though, from the the legal team on that. Um, And I think the quickest at the time... um, Case that have been wrapped up externally for um, the governing body. Right. So how fast
0: did it get wrapped up?
1: Uh, I think we wrapped that up within four weeks. Yeah, um, right. like once you know what you're looking for, it's pretty easy. Yep. Uh, Shout
0: out to the guys yeah. over at Grant Nickel and Hoggle uh, Gammon. Yeah. We've had both of them on the on the show. Uh, two two members from Hoggle Gammon um and then we've had rob from grand nickel on the, the call already so uh shout out to those guys doing their job uh very well um yeah, it's so still disturbing when they call
1: like yeah we, we chat and we catch up but like whenever the phone rings oh, right. <laughs> yeah. the first thing that is like oh no no we must be good
0: yeah 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 please tell me he wants to chat <laughs> <laughs> so when that event happened um on the saturday morning and when the rest of the city beach team woke up what was the mentality with staff at that time
1: uh look from the it team um mm-hmm. it was really just all hands on deck so we kind of set the bad signal out yep. got everyone up um everyone came in obviously nervous and yeah. kind of drip fed in over the days they were relevant to what we're trying to do and i think we had the um the rest of the leadership team on site by 8 a.m as well
0: Yeah, um, and what were they seeing at curiosity uh,
1: look we, we all kind of just bunkered down in the boardroom turned into a little mini war room yep um Everyone was super supportive. Um, everyone had known the challenges of the environment over the years. And it was just a matter of trying to work out what next. So, you know, yeah. this is where we are. How do we make sure that we can trade? You know, is there any impact to trade? And if there is, how do we handle that?
0: Mm. Did I did it lock down the policy systems completely? So all stores no, were down? Um,
1: we were ah, separate. At, actually very lucky. Like, yeah. like I said, if I hadn't uh, pulled the plug, mm. um, we could have been in a whole different scenario, right? So yeah. um, I think we lost maybe – two or three POS terminals out of you know, 200 and something. Wow. Um, unplugged them, sent them back. Um, a lot of artifacts scattered around that were annoying and like, you know, they, they freak you out them, a little yeah. bit, yeah. but um, no major impact to that. And yeah. the e site was hosted externally. so. Um, you know a r- real bullet dodged on that one
0: yeah that's really lucky that um your spy senses were tingling 2am in the morning and you went and checked because usually the dwell time of threats and environments in australia is like 200 days stuff sits there until it becomes a problem it's um, super
1: interesting uh, i remember reading a lot of stuff at the time because you know you kind of get deep in this rabbit hole of like who else has been impacted mm. by the same group you know what could i learn what do i need to know and that witching hour of you know Friday night, Saturday morning, yeah, is like favoured because so many people don't look at anything until Monday. Yep, and by Monday you're totally cooked.
0: Yep, internal IT teams, you know, they're off off camping or doing their own stuff for weekend right, and then you know they're alert on the phone. Uh, less importance is like during business hour, and unfortunately they're like. Um, a uh, high amount of threats from like China and Russia. And uh, that's when they're awake prime time when Australians are sleeping or just kind of winding down. Um, so that's not a good thing. Um, so look, how did that incident change your management team's perspective on cyber
1: risk? Uh, look, I think from the, the leadership team. Um, so everyone already appreciated what the risks were. You know, we're mm. kind of seeing things pop up in the news and, you know, it'll never be us kind of mentality. Mm. From an ownership level um, probably pivoted that significantly. So if I look back at the historical implementation of the legacy ERP, you know, antivirus disabled because it slowed it down. Right, Like, you know, you'd turn it on, the developer would turn it off. let him go, you know, it'll be fine. Um, And that kind of mentality creeps a little bit as well. So every person that finds that they can't do something will find some way to work around it. And so you assume you've got a, you know, a fairly safe estate, but there's always someone out there that's ahead of you, Right. And so, you know, every time we come for a renewal, it's like, do we really need this? Do I, do I need to spend this money on this antivirus thing? Mm. And like, you would tell hilarious stories like, well, you know, do, do you like the money in your bank account? You know, because everyone's out there trying to get it from you. Um, but it wasn't until this event where it was like, you know what, like, what's it going to take to make sure that we are safe and secure? Yep. You know, we don't want to be in the news. We don't want to shut down. Like, we need to make sure that we've got all of our bases covered. And that's uh, like, we jumped the maturity level so quickly in that space. From having what we thought was a good antivirus platform at the time excluding the legacy turning it on and off because by that time we got rid of that software but the guys that got us they knew how to uninstall that in a way that bypassed all the tamper protection yeah and so you know you think you're protected but you never really are and the layered approach now is becoming more popular and commonplace right so you, you plug each individual gap with an I guess, an industry-leading tool to try and cover all your bases. Yep. And then there's still something new in the news next week that, you know, you should buy or, or turn on.
0: Yeah, we had um, uh, Chris Polkinghorn, who was the ex uh, head of security from Swift on a few weeks ago. <laughs> and um, we asked him what cybersecurity was like 15 years ago because he just has, did cyber for like 20 plus years. Yep. And he said it was a long password. And uh, an antivirus tool, and that was that was so cyber yeah. industry fifteen years ago. And you look at it now, and there's so much to it. You know, it's gone well past like firewalls and email spam filter, right? There's so much to it. Um, so, look, the next question I got is,
1: what did you? What was your main learnings from going through the breach? Um- I probably should have pushed a lot more on the security agenda previously. Okay, um, I, I thought we did a good job of pushing it forward. You know, we moved a lot of stuff um, off-prem to try and protect against risk, mm. um, but it could wind back. I, I think really just being, you know, more equipped with knowledge of what was happening in the industry, and trying to make sure that everything you could possibly think of was covered. Um, Retail is interesting in that PCI DSS is the only kind of semi-enforced um, compliance standard mm-hmm. um, when really there should be, you know, something like NIST, um, the essential Eight's a bit weak in terms of what it wants to do. Yep. But there should be something out that kind of says, you know, as a business you must have these 10 things or eight things in the government sense yep. um, enabled to protect yourself. And, you know, antivirus is one of those, but there's just so much more to it. Yep. And, again, you know, we thought secure passwords or um, all, all those things were the, the winning ticket. Um yeah. But just not enough at the end of the day. Well,
0: it's like now you think uh, last pass you were secure, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then then here we are. uh, They had the the massive large-scale breach. So it sounds like there's definitely some learnings that you had from that time. um, And the business takes like cybersecurity risk really seriously Now compared to before. Um, I would
1: say we we do. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's off the agenda. Mm. Um, But you go through cycles, right? So for the Mm. first couple of years, it's like, yep, great. Excellent. You know, sign it off, put it in, do it you get to year three and all the renewals start coming through because you usually do multi-year deals to you know expensive renewals yeah yeah yeah, yep and so everyone is lined up with what do we need that yep and so you kind of have to go through that again sales pitch again of like all right you remember what happened oh yeah but that won't happen again that's because we've got all these things yep oh do you really need them it's like Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, and um, has your cybersecurity budget gone
0: up over the years? Obviously when, when, the, when the incident went down three years ago, it would have been like, just, just get us back online, tell us when you'd be secure, right? But did it drop off in the next year and or does it keep going up? Or what's, what happens
1: what uh, for We're interesting that we're privately owned. Mm. Um, So I don't really have budgets, so to speak. If it's a a good idea and it makes sense, business case, and and go to the owners. Um, And so for us at the moment, we're adding a few things to the stack, which we're going through that process again. We're swapping a few things in and out. Um, It's a more open discussion now. Like they appreciate the risk, and I think it's helped that in the past three years, so many people have been hit that are Mm. bigger than us, right? So if you know Optus can't secure themselves and Medibank, like what do you do, right? It's kind of
0: unfortunate, but a good thing for internal heads of IT that there's all this publicity around the recent breaches, like yeah. the two you just mentioned, but also like, you know, black and white cabs in Brisbane got hit a couple of weeks ago and uh, QUT had a scare in, oh, yeah. a, a breach a in, in uh, December. You know, there's, there's so much going on, which is not good that it's happening. Um, but from an IT um a decision maker in a business trying to get budget for cyber stuff—it makes things a bit easier,
1: it, as for sure. It does, right? And that's a frustrating thing. Like speaking to people over the past couple of years, they're like, you know, what's what's the trigger point? It's like, well, it's a breach. Yeah. Until you actually have something that impacts the business, yep. Like it's just a hard sell. Mm. Um, you know.
0: What advice would you have for um, a CIO or head of IT at an internal business who hasn't had a breach before but really wants to get across the line? You know the full security operations, MDR, or getting vulnerability management or whatever cyber mitigation tool it is in place?
1: No one depends on the side of your team. So if you've got a a large team with some good resources in-house, you can do things a little bit differently, a little bit cheaper. Um, At the time, we didn't, so we had to outsource a lot of stuff. But I think having a a really well-prepared story, it's not an argument, right? It's a a journey you need to take the board, the owners, whoever it is. You need to take them from where you are to, to where you need to be. Um, the essential aid's interesting. It's a, a very simplified view on all of that, right? Mm. So you can talk anyone through it. It's like, okay, this one is an antivirus kind of thing. Have we got one of those? Yes. Tick. Is it a good one? Oh, we don't know. right? right, we'll find someone to chat to. Yeah. But, but going in with a story that you can talk them through and walk them through. And industry-specific examples of other breaches is useful too. Yeah. Um, not necessarily through, you know, the publicity, but really the impact to business. And one of the interesting things, I think it was um, a guy from Michael Hill's security team was talking about in an event recently. You know, the people in the business can also be impacted by the breach. So not from, you know, oh, my password got leaked. But, you know, what did you do necessarily to make sure that you had the right processes in your area of the business as well? Mm. And so whether that's as simple as, you know, calling one another to make sure bank details are up to date. So, hey, Ryan, like, is this really your bank account? Like, yeah. you know. Did you just change or yeah, not? I'm, well, like, you know, it seems yeah. odd that it's in Hawaii. Like, how do you, how do you want to handle your <laughs> yeah. money? Um, yeah. But I think engaging some of the other business leaders as well, you know, what are you doing in your area to protect against risk and how does that tie back into cyber? Because at the end of the day, it's all kind of cyber risk now, right? It's all yeah. kind of bundled together. Mm,
0: it's a – what we do here um, for businesses that, that trust us with their technology is we put it back to the likelihood and the impact if mm-hmm. there is a breach. But you're right, I think two things you said there. Um, just to recap, we're aligning to a framework which I think really helps um, uh, business owners or non-technical people go, "Ah, that's the framework. It's not something that this one dude told me. It's this is the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a framework of things we should have." That's so, you know, some big <coughs> organization like the Australian Subsecurity Center uh, created. So even though that's targeted small businesses, but um, so what. What's your advice uh, on frameworks to align to?
1: We're trying to align to both Essential 8 and NIST. So Essential 8, like I said, it just ticks all the boxes really quickly Um, and it gives you broad coverage. So, you know, everything is kind of covered in there, Um, but we have been doing like a NIST assessment. Um, I think we're due for the next one, Um, but trying to maintain that level of maturity. So, you know, where Mm. we were... Pre is obviously very bad. Yeah. Um, where, where we post, um, we came in with a, a fairly decent score given the work we've done so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a more complex view on what you should be doing to maintain your um, business security level. So yeah. we dabble with the two. Um, one's very easy and one requires a, a bit more effort.
0: So let's pivot a little bit out, to, out of um, cyber um, into just, just generally technology in, in retail. How important is technology and how is it going to change the retail industry? I've got mixed opinions.
1: Okay, <laughs> I mean – I'm probably not the target gam- demographic for most retail stores. Like I shop a bit, but I tend to online purchase what I want and you know, maybe hunt down a bargain somewhere. Still retail. It is, right? Um, but I guess you separate the two. So you've got your bricks and mortar side of things and then you've got your e-commerce. Mm. I don't think anyone's doing e-commerce with the view that we thought you would 10 years ago. So hyper-personalised, you know, digital malls. I look at the original project plan for phase two of our e-com site and like – we had some dreams. Mm. Um, City Beach TV, our own version of the iTunes Store. Um, right. Shopping in some weird Xbox Mall that I don't think exists to this day, but we were going to be the first shop in there.
0: Wow! And, um, and how many years ago was that?
1: Uh, just over ten. Wow! Yeah. There you go. Uh, might be a little bit longer now, but like all these crazy ideas, and you look around, and none of that's really happening, right? So you know, YouTube's kind of stole that content space from anyone. Mm. Even if you're making your own content, that's where you're housing it. You might be linking it back. So, you know, maintain your own infrastructure for that. Like lofty dreams, right? Mm. Um, People like Paxson over the US are doing some interesting things. We find them relevant um, because they're in our space. They're a youth fashion retailer over there. What are they doing? They're dabbling in the metaverse a lot. right? Um, Heavily backed by venture capital, though, right? So, like, any any idea is a good idea if it works. Mm. Um, NFTs, NFTs. roblox or minecraft they've got like a store where you can buy you know different bits and pieces for your avatar like i don't know how successful any of that is um probably not that successful but it's interesting right yeah you know people buy their skins in all of the games whether it's call of duty Fortnite. people are engaging in that you know that online avatar consumer behavior so it's Mm. just a an extendable step of that right like you know, buy Ma- you, you your year and, and run around in you know, a fortnight. Like maybe that's the next step.
0: Yeah, we had uh, we had Ben, the director of technology from Prison Boys College on a yeah. uh, um, podcast a few weeks ago and he was speaking about uh, now when you, you're selecting your extracurricular activities at um, high school. You go you know, netball or cricket and then uh, uh, to, like video games you can select and they have <laughs> coaches that come in and coach you on that game. and really? uh, Yeah, run tournaments as well versus other schools. Yeah. It's a it's a full on thing, so I can see how that would tie back into if there's you know like a City Beach branded stuff in there they could buy and you could cool sponsor uniforms, a team. Like, yeah, could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't
1: get me started on those. <laughs> so how how far away is uh, City Beach from going to the metaverse? Uh, look, I think we're a long way. Okay. <laughs> um, I haven't seen anyone else really do it right. I mean, a number of the larger um, brands have done some odd things in that kind of Roblox space as well. Um, yeah. I think Tommy Hilfinger's has done like a range that you can buy, and not right. dissimilar again to like the skins and. The the other, um, the other games are trying to capture different age brackets. Yep. Um, I don't think we're anywhere near that um, but it, it'll pop up at some point in the next couple of years, right? As soon as someone gets some traction in that space and there's tangible revenue from it, everyone will be clamming to, to get in there. Yeah, I think about 12, 80
0: months ago, it was it was it was it was hyping everyone was talking about the metaverse and it was kind of like oh all these shops are going to go in there and i think like is, did nike do one i think nike did one right
1: yeah i think so i think it, like a couple of the big brands have like doubled mm. down you know snoop bought all that land in the metaverse yeah um, but it's kind of waned right and i don't know whether that's through nfts kind of losing their shine because mm. you don't hear anyone talk about board apes anymore right well, maybe it's
0: because crypto tanked um big time <laughs> um and then here we are, uh, you know, the economy after that is uh, not in a great space. So people having extra funds to spend on, uh, you know, City Beach, um, NFT shirts and things or, yeah. or skins for people. Uh, yeah, More great news
1: from the RBA today. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. good times. <laughs> so what future innovation uh, is the team at City Beach working on?
1: Uh, look, there's a huge focus on e-com. So yep. we um, launched in the US and New Zealand direct for the first time um, last year. So growing that US channel is high on the agenda. In terms of how we do that, the team's kind of kicking around ideas. We've got a bit of a a bag of things that were put on hold late last year as we kind of got through peak. They're all bubbling back to the surface. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily a lot of them are super innovative, um, but additional lines of business, right? So whether that's ship from store, we're trialling, click and collect. We've got RFID backboning that. Like, there's a whole collection of things that make sense. Yep. Um, but you've got to see tangible results again. And yeah. uh, RFID is a fantastic technology, right? It's really high price to, to get in the game. Yeah, right. Um, particularly with a product range as broad as ours. So um, looking at some of the global players doing it makes sense. Like Zara, fully RFID enabled from you know, supply chain all the way through to retail shop floor. So how
0: do, when you say expensive, what are, what, are we, what are we talking here? To get RFID tag
1: on clothes is expensive? Yeah, yeah, you're looking at um. So we're tagging locally at the moment. So I've got three pilot stores. We tag out of our DC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from memory about eight cents per tag. Right, and so okay. you know, about twenty thousand, thirty thousand. Yep, you know, eight cents through, adds up pretty quick. It does, right? And so you mm-hmm. can source tag, which is great. So all your vertical product to get it. Tagged in China, it's a lot cheaper or wherever you're getting your goods manufactured. Um, But you need to really commit to the concept of RFID. If you're going to do it at the supply chain, you need to get all your branded suppliers on board as well. Um, But everything from, you know, finding goods in store, accurate inventory, there's no other kind of guaranteed way to deliver that result.
0: And what's the advantage of RFIDing closed? Is it that... Uh, you know exactly which one when someone was online? Is it, is it the theft side in store or like what's what, what's?
1: Yeah, so advantage? two um, two key things that come to mind for me. So one is um, a stock-take cycle can be a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, you can stock-take a store once a week in a couple of hours, right, as opposed to maybe once every six months with physically you know, scanning everything. You can yeah. wander the store quite quick. Oh, right. Um, cool. So, you know, that identifies your theft a lot quicker, you Missed opportunity for products that aren't in store that customers might want. The other one is finding products, right? So if you're doing um, one hour click and collect and you can just walk around with like a Geiger counter until you find that t-shirt or the shoes or whatever it is, you can turn those around a lot quicker as well. So you've got a real time inventory in store, you can integrate it into your security system if you wanna get um, that fancy. Yep, Um, They do that, uh, I'm trying to think where I was, Uniqlo. They've got the RFID checkout where you just drop everything into the basket.
0: And it just goes $32 well, or whatever for the stuff. And then, yeah,
1: um, Unless yeah. you juggle your clothes around a lot, it doesn't pick them all up. And oh. then you have this embarrassing moment at the front door where they're like, yep. hey, there's a pair of shorts in your bag that we don't think you're paid for. You're yeah. like, oh, I put them in the thing. They're like, yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's quirks to it, right? But um, there's so many opportunities in that space. And you know, not that you would get rid of all your counter staff, if you could have six tills manned by two people, as opposed to six tills manned by six people, yep. that could be four people on the floor giving customer service, right? So yeah, and
0: customer experience, right? Exactly. And then, and then I guess the customer experience of just dropping clothes in a basket versus going waiting in a line, scanning everything, and, the, and then checking out. Technology, I think, for customer experience is, is where it's at. And, you know, most people look at just automatic processes, but um, customer experience is a big thing. Uh, it, but, it but I think it sounds like uh, we say at Red We want to stay on the cutting edge, not the bleeding edge of technology. <laughs> you know, I
1: feel like that is the bleeding edge. So right now we're <laughs> just described. Yeah, yeah. Look, it is, and I mean, all the retailers doing um, RFID and all those add-ons really well. All fully vertical, right? And so, you know, everything they make is their own, they're tagging everything. It all comes through tagged. Like it, it's a very different journey to ours, mm. um, but we still see value for it in our um, in our market.
0: Yeah. One question, which is back on the side funnel, so, so front, which I wanted to get your insights on is um. Cyber insurance. Um, A lot of businesses that we speak to that are similar to your size are actually opting to self-insure and not get cyber insurance where others are just going, don't understand technology, just throw a yes, uh, cyber insurance at it and others, you know, not getting it because there's multiple questions. Um, What's your thoughts and advice on cyber insurance now?
1: We are insured um, post. So we had a a portion of coverage um, previously, which was a drop in the ocean with, you know, what we could have been up for. Mm. Um, we didn't pay any ransom as a, yeah. as a thing, but you know there, there's coverage for that now, right? So yep. certain insurers will actually cover you, you know, paying ten million dollars to some random Bitcoin address in you know, wherever. Um, I think there's value to it, but you really need to know what you're getting for your money. Um, mm. You know, we're seasonal, and so you know this spike in retail sales, we have to cater for that. As opposed to if you've got a, a flatline business where you know revenue is kind of the same all year, you might opt to insure differently. Mm. But you also want to make sure that if you are going to claim like you've done all that homework right so back to selling to the board all the things that you need in place you know whether it's um, internal pen testing external pen testing independent reviews business continuity planning all those things need to be in place and they're all tick boxes on that insurance form every year like do you yep. have this have you tested this and i would hate to be in a position where you've taken cyber insurance and like you claim it and like okay great where's the pen test results yeah like oh yeah or like, you know, can we have a look at what you had turned on, enabled and talk us through it? And you're missing, you know, three things out of your essential way. Yeah.
0: At that point, you just say it was in the data that got encrypted. I can't get it for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everything you just said. <laughs> no, you're right. It, that is that is a big problem. And I, I spoke to a business last week actually and um, who had some gaps in this hub screws and, no cyber insurance, and they actually, they actually got declined. Uh, yeah, okay. Because they were like, oh, yeah, well, they didn't have MFA on everything they had on that one application. And there's just so many gaps that the cyber insurance just turned them away. Um, I think, um, yeah, so like, where, where, where do you start with that, right? But I, I think right now, all the software things that you mentioned become so expensive, but the, the impact for someone like city beach to get hit, which you're probably clearly aware of now is very large. So it's worth investing in like, all these tools, but it'll get to a point where all the screw tools in the world, we can get to a price where it's same as just paying the ransom once a year.
1: Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> I'm like, No, that could be terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean there's so much overlap in the tools as well though mm. and so we um, we went very heavy on E5 Microsoft okay. post um, and that instantly just solved like all the gaps we had at the time mm. but three years on like it's not a bad product but it's not really targeted at doing anything properly, right? Yeah. You've got a good antivirus component which they call an MDR now. You've got um, everything's
0: a DR of some kind now.
1: Oh, exactly right. <laughs> You've kind of got a secure email gateway, but not really like there's, you know, Mimecast is still making a fortune selling like a, a barrier at the front. Right. Yep. And so as a small business, probably not a bad investment. Yep. But there's so much stuff in marketing to make sure that you're really plugging the right gap, with the right tool. Um, we're in the process of ripping out one tool, putting a new one in, mm-hmm. um, you know, we see benefit in that and we've managed to break even on the licensing cost. Um, but you could very quickly get in a position where you've got 30 things plugged in they all do the wrong thing they all conflict with one another yeah and i mean create your own security hole right
0: yeah we, um, we definitely recommend for really small businesses to get business premium and leverage that as much as yep. possible because, like, the, the cost benefit is actually pretty damn good for small businesses. I know it doesn't really stack up when you get to the depth of um, cyber protection that City Beach would require, but small businesses in particular, like, what it does for the 30 bucks a, a month per person is pretty damn good. Look, mate, really appreciate you coming in um, and sharing insights around cyber and retail and where it's going and what City Beach is doing. Anything else you want to share before we close out? No, that's
1: it, mate. Thanks for having me.
0: All yeah, no right, Thanks, Ryan.
1: Cheers. Cheers.